Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Actionable Marketing Podcast from the AMA Omaha. I'm Mary-Kate Gulick, and I am here today with Tim Pinkerton, the Vice President at Database USA. How's it going, Tim? Well, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you because you know why? I love to talk about data. It is the frequently unsung hero of all marketing innovation. At least that's what I think. And since you're in the data business, I've got to feel like you think the same thing. Um, yeah, yeah. We, and of course, I'm, I may be biased, but I'm, I'm a big fan of data. Um, but only probably because it, that centers our universe. Everybody we talk to either needs more of it, wants better data, cleaner data, or is trying to do some type of uh, very cool or new sexy things with it. And, and over time, I've just learned that uh, it, it's far more of a commodity in business than I, than I ever thought it was before I came to work here. Yeah, completely true. So tell me about you. You guys, how long have you been with Database USA, Tim? Um, I think of a uh, little, right at six years. Oh, wow. Okay. I, right. I guess now it's getting long enough. I'm starting to forget how long I've been here. Yeah, that happens once you've been, you know, you become like the real deal at a place, right? right. Uh, tell me about what you guys do. How do you help marketers be more effective at Database USA? Um, I'll try to make this succinct. There's a number of ways. And I guess I should also add, I've been here six years. The, the company's been around for just over 10. Wow. Um, they, this company spun off uh, out, of a, out of the brain of a guy named Ben Gupta, um, who, if anybody is listening, knows data. They know that Ben Gupta started a, a different company that is also in Omaha, also another data company. Um, if they've been doing it, they know what company I'm speaking about. But he, uh, when he reinvented, when he reinvented the kind of data process with us, um, I suppose anytime you get a chance to do something a second time around, you, you hope to do it. I don't know, uh, more intelligently or at least more efficiently. And that's kind of what we lean on here. Everything now is cloud-based and it's uh, very scalable and flexible. And that's kind of what we pride ourselves on. But um, to get back to your question of how do you help marketers be more effective? There's, I guess I'll say there's a few ways, but in the short of it is when you go to market your product, your service, whatever it is, the primary concern marketers have is, is this message, which you have spent no doubt, much money, many hours, um, a lot of sweat and tears have gone into this. People have probably been in arguments over this. And now you've curated this marketing message that you think is just, it's the deal. We got to get this to the right people. And that last part of the statement is the right people. So who do you aim this at? How do I aim this at them? How do I make sure it gets in front of them? And that by default boils down to data. Um, in today's market, you've got, you know, the social media is kind of a different form of data. It's kind of a organic, ever-moving thing. And we, we live on the, on the tertiary uh, kind of outskirts of that social media. 
what we do here at Database USA is we have a database of all the U.S. businesses um, with some executive contacts in there. And then also, I can't say all, but most of the U.S. consumers. And attached to these businesses are things like firmographics, for instance, you know, what industry are they in? How many employees do they have? What's their annual revenue? Things like that. Of course, where they're located and phone numbers. Uh, for the consumers, you're going to have demographical information as well as, you know, interests and hobbies. Um, and if anybody that's listening to this is marketing, which I assume they are since you guys are the AMA, um, you'll know that being able to identify your customers through those types of either firmographics or demographics is important so that you can then either aim your message correctly at the right people or if you already know the right people, you can come to a company like, my, uh, like ours and say, hey, these are our people. These are our best customers. Do you have more like them? And whether that's identifying them through geography, which is very macro and not usually how it's done, or identifying through a line of business, meaning our best clients are lawyers, or we really like B2B companies. However, we work on the enterprise scale, so I need them to have more than 100 employees. We can filter by that as well. So the way that we help marketers is just to make sure that when they go to get their message out, they get it to the right people. Um, and I believe we'll dive into a few a few facets of that later in this conversation, so I might just leave it right there with this. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So you really, you guys really do all things marketing data, which is fantastic. Um, and one of the things you said is this idea of getting things in front of the right people. And, you know, even if the message, it doesn't matter how good the message is, it doesn't matter how fantastic the execution is, if the wrong people are seeing it, it doesn't matter. And, you know, we've been talking about that since the olden days of direct mail, um, that 90% of the performance of a package is the list, um, regardless of what the creative is. And that has not stopped being true at all. Um, no. And so I feel like you, what you guys do is so important, giving people the right list. And, you know, we always talk about now, you talk too about, you know, marketers who want to do really cool, sexy things with like AI and automation and even just basic segmentation. But the truth is the quality of data makes or breaks any of those attempts. You know, your automation and your AI is only as good as what's in the system. We always used to say garbage in, garbage out, right? So right. what can marketers do to make sure that their data is clean? Um, well, that's actually, oh boy. Speaking as someone that kind of sits at the top of a business, uh, it starts internally mm -hmm. as people come in, make sure that you're entering in quality data. Um, leads will come in, and some of that is, has to do with CRM management, but that's, that's an individual thing per business. When you're speaking to a third-party data company, which is often the, time, you know, the, the terminology people give to us, or anybody supplying you any kind of data, even if it's a single data element of like just hashed emails or I just need to know one element, as it comes in, always always check your source. Uh, make sure that they're, what they're doing, make sure that when they do it, they're routinely uh, updating it. Meaning, uh, to, to, to give this an, an easy example, it's maybe easy at one time to have the data correct. If in you know February 2020, we have a database and it's great, but then we stop paying attention to it, curating it, updating it, by the time you get three months down the road or six or nine, obviously the longer you get, that data has a shelf life and it's going to start to get worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a finger you should point at your data provider, kind of asking them, do you do this? Is this updated? How often and how is it done? 
those are, you know, it's kind of when you're kicking the tires of them, that's something that you'd ask if somebody were maintaining a home or any property that you're on, you'd want to know what they're doing to make sure that it's not rotting or falling apart. Um, I, I say that always in preface to the next part, which say you have a sizable company with 700,000 records inside their CRM and no one has paid attention to the records in the CRM for 10 years. Some of those records are going to be very, very bad. Businesses are out of business. Some people, uh, forgive the term, but may have died. Um, that data has gotten rotten. So that's a two, two facets of this. You should always make sure your third-party data provider is updating their data, but you can't only look at your third-party data provider through those lenses. You need to also look at your internal data, meaning if no one's paying attention to it, no one is updating it, the same thing is happening in-house. And sometimes that's more scary because those companies that have that internal data, will, will the knee-jerk is to assume it's okay because they got it. It's theirs. It's, it's, they believe it to be first-party data, and at one time it was, but if no one has updated it lately, it, is, it has become it has become stale, old, or worse, just flat wrong. And then when your marketing, your, your CMO or your director of marketing says, let's send this push out through these emails or to these people, um, you may get a bad metric as to if that marketing was any good because the problem wasn't the marketing message. The problem was that 45% of the people you just aim that at are no longer in business or no longer live there or passed away or whatever kind of terminal end came to that individual or business. Wow. That makes me think, you know, you said 40% and it may have just been off the hip. Is there kind of a rule of thumb but about how fast data goes bad um, over the course of a year? How, how much in a, in, a, in a large database will be expired? That's a, that's a good question, actually. Not, and not everyone thinks to ask that. So, A, congratulations. <laughs> also, B, I'm, now I really know you're in marketing. Um, so, it, I don't want to say it depends, but it kind of does. So it depends on the vertical. For instance, if your primary client were, let's say, let's say you, you went after restaurants. Um, that's a commonly known thing that a restaurant is either going to make it or break it in the first year. And there's close to an 80% live or die scenario there. So if your best clients are restaurants, that, that turnover, that churn is high. Um, once they get past that first year, it changes a little bit. Um, and then it kind of depends on a number of factors. But if you were to say... You know, Tim, your whole database as a whole, back up and look at it, you know, what, what kind of changes? I would say over the course of a year, 30 to 40% change as far as businesses that are in business versus businesses that are out of business. If you get into the uh, smaller nuances of updates, uh, like this address was changed or there was an update to this contact, I, I don't even know if I could get to that. You might have to talk about in a month we're getting probably a 30% change over the whole database in one month. And so if you take that times 12, you can see how sitting on top of data for any length of time can, can start to make things uh, Without a doubt. Bleak. And even if we're just looking at that 30 to 40% for in business, out of business, for a business to business marketer, that is, <laughs> that's a dramatic impact on your ROI. Of, of what you're of what you're putting oh, out yeah. in the world, so you're you're almost just shooting yourself in the foot if you're not if you're not making sure that your data is 100% accurate and up to date. Wow. So, do you have any good war stories for us about you know when an example of when inaccurate data ended up having a huge consequence? Oh, um, 
so yes, and maybe to give it a positive spin, it ended up winning us a client, but um, it's, you know, we don't always just go to a company and say, hey, would you like to buy our whole database? It's really great. Here's a sample. I mean, sometimes it works like that and then, you know, yay for us. Um, but when you approach a large company, um, and I'll leave names out here for various NDAs or legal purposes, but when you approach a large company that has a large database and people know them, you know, uh, if you if you threw the word, not that this is anybody's client, but like Ford, you say Ford, everyone knows who right. they are. They've been making cars since you know people couldn't even take pictures of them. So they have a huge database. Um, so when you approach companies like that, you you can't say, hey, you need my data. You can, and it's important. And a lot of times they're big enough that they know the value of a database and they'll take the whole thing in. But what is very important to them is the correctness, freshness, or accuracy of their own database. So sometimes that is where my diagnosis sounds so corny, but when you talk about finding a solution for someone, we had a very large technology and personal computer company approach us and say, so here's our issue. Um, and what they were doing is they were going to make a, a big, small business push um, because they're, they're very well established enterprise wise or in the large companies because they're needed. And so they said, but these things are moving all over the place. They're dying. They're going out of business. They're changing addresses, you know, help. And so that was one aspect that we did. But luckily, in-house, we have a lot of data scientists. And one of them said, hey, can I see your database? I'm just curious how this works. We got the NDAs in place. They sent it to us. And what we realized is because the company's so big and so siloed, everyone's jamming this information into it, but no one person or entity is saying, wait a second, there's a ton of duplication in here. So what we were finding, and I'll give it for instance, is a college is very difficult for data people to, to, to manage because a college is one college, right? It might just be Rutgers. That's fine. But on that campus, there's like 23 addresses, whether it's the, the Dean's office or the AMP building, or you got the cafeteria, whatever. So, of all those addresses that all, let's say, went to Rutgers, they're all getting various catalogs for this technology and PC company. But there's no reason that you should be sending upwards of 120 catalogs to one college. Well, maybe there's one scenario, but there really wasn't. And so what we started to realize when we were doing this is this company was spending a significant amount of money on duplicated efforts or efforts that were aimed at like the cafeteria, which is not probably who you want to try to sell your PCs and technology. Right. So we brought that back to them and said, Hey, we just did a quick once over and it looks like you have X number of duplication, which we get your catalog. We do publication. We know that's probably costing you about two bucks a catalog and you're probably doing about 300,000 duplicates. So when you speak in that terminology and you come to them and say, I could probably save you $600,000 just by cleaning this up out of the gate. It's very easy later when you go to say, so about this database, does that look like it might be valuable? Of course, they're going to say, yeah, do that first, fix my database, and then we're just going to bring yours in-house. Because one of the things that we do afterwards is you mentioned what kind of turnover or churn is there. We can mm -hmm. send that, give somebody their database. Monthly, we update ours, and so we can give them something called deltas, which is ads, changes, or deletes. And if all they took in was that, that portion of our database and updated their own, they will be avoiding any uh, data staleness you know, or, or inaccuracies that could potentially, potentially cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow, and just being able to put it into those terms where you're able to quantify what that actually means in dollars and cents, yeah, that's a pretty significant 
and irrefutable argument um, right. about the importance of data. So one of the things that this makes me think of is that there, you know, virtually every every enterprise level business has a database in one form or another. And the the for instance that you just gave, you know, with an organization that's like highly siloed and that has multiple, you know, fiefdoms within it that kind of each one of them keeps their own um, their own data, their own different data practices, and make possibly even their own tools. Um, why is it so important to bring in an outside expert to work on this with you? I mean, I imagine a ton of organizations really try to do their data cleanup themselves, um, but I also imagine that they get in their their own way quite a bit. So, what are some of the benefits of outsourcing? Um, I guess it would be. You go to the you go to the out, you outsource somebody that you know to be a professional. Um, for instance, I'm I'm capable of hanging drywall, but I do know that when I get done, it's it's probably not going to look as good as the guy that just does it every day. Right. Um, so I know that they're going to do it right. Another thing is convenience. Um, you just know that this is what we or the professional do every day, all day. So you can unload it to them just like the professional drywaller, and I just don't have to think about it, and I just know it's going to be done right. And me paying them that money is worth the peace of mind and the lack of stress to get it done and get it done right the first time. Um, so there's that. And we work with a number of companies, technology companies, analytic companies, even uh, like labor market institutions. So you have statisticians and, and, and uh, economists, these people that are, are, are deep into numbers and also deep into data. Like they're, they're not unintelligent about the data itself. It's just maybe a, not all of them look at it in the way that they should. Now, some do. Some companies are lucky and they just have this lights out person that just does great. And they should probably pay that individual more because they have no idea. Most of them, <laughs> most of them don't. In fact, a lot of your better data scientists, like, you know, when you're really good, when you're okay admitting that you're not good at everything. So some of these data scientists will come to us and be like, yeah, yeah, I've got all that. I don't do this. We're going to pay these people for that. So going to a third-party data provider, it, it, the benefit is, one, you know they do it every day, so they're very good at it. Two, you don't have to do it because so, sometimes the internal cost of having your own team do it can be pretty high. Yeah. I think there's a saying about business, you know, there's there's really a couple ways to do it. You either uh, build it, source it, or uh, have someone else do it. And so in doing it internally, you may end up paying your own team just as much money to get it done. And some like my drywall reference, especially if they do it wrong the first time and then have to do it again and again. Um, the other thing that we have the advantage of, whether it's us or any third-party data provider, is when it comes to doing the job, we already have the database on hand. It's always the freshest data. If we ever need anything, whether it's updates, whether it's enhancements, whether it's just to check the accuracy and validate what they already have, it's here. And it's ours, so no one knows the nuances quite as well as, as the guy that owns it whether it's ours or anybody else's. So instead of handing data that the data company sees and uses every day over to someone else that's going to have a learning curve, you can just send your data here to people that work with it all day, every day. And I just, it's been, I don't want to as well, much 90% or better, the results that come from us working on it are usually a little bit more prolific than if the company were to take it in and do it themselves. And I, I would be lying if I told you that it hasn't worked both ways to where we send the data to the company. Company does an okay job. They said, hey, we're a little disappointed with how this turned out. And we say, why don't you 
why don't you send us 20% of it and just let us look? And we discover, you know, kind of where the, where the fly was in their ointment. And by eliminating that fly, suddenly they realize they could have had a much better result. But by that time, of course, they've, they've expended the money and the time to do it the first time. And now they'll do it the second time. Correct. It's just, it's just sometimes quicker to go to the guy that just can get it done the first time, every time. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a lesson there, I think, for, for all of us, particularly if you ever have tried to hang your own drywall. Um, <laughs> I that, hate it. Uh, right? It's not for everybody. No, that makes complete sense. Um, so talk to me about, just to kind of go back to some of the cool things people are doing with data, what are some of the more interesting things that marketers have been doing once they have their database and their data hygiene program really up and cranking? What are some of the cool things that they're able to do? Um. So, oh man, that's a good question because there's a lot of cool stuff. But I think the coolest thing is when you start to see a company fully embrace the multifaceted marketing. I, we all use that term like a lot, probably too much right. in our multi-channel. But it's funny because I'll see somebody doing like a, a couple different or three different channels. I'm like, no, you. Uh, I don't know if I'd throw multifaceted on that one. Like you're just starting because some of the companies I see – it's just amazing. Like even, and I know we were downplaying earlier, direct mail, like that being old school. It's, it, it is not dead. In fact, it hasn't, it has gone up, especially because of the current, you know, CV 19 environment that we're in people right. at home and they like getting mail. So the benefit of having this data and you know, now you've got, you got Instagram or you've got LinkedIn or you've got Facebook and, and how are you getting your AdWords up there on Google? Like that's, that's a cool algorithmic AI kind of thing. And it is important, right? Cause when I Google, you know, hey, I went and Googled a new, a new squat rack one day and the next day on Facebook, what do you know? It's in front of me. How did that happen? <laughs> are they the same? No, there's some marketer that's real smart that has already got you figured out. But the other thing that we're learning is our databases, whether again, I'll try to stay agnostic and say whether it's from my company or another ones, they, they, they have the name, they have the address, the phone number, the email, but then they come with demographic stuff, firmographic stuff, um, interests and hobbies. And one thing that unifies all marketers is, you know, the more you can know about your clients, the better you can either acquire new ones or upsell or resell your current ones. So, all of that data is beneficial. So if, if you find somebody on Instagram by name and a handle, and that is great because you can totally market to them on Instagram, but what do you know about them? Also, did they Google the new Barbie doll because they're a 28 year old guy and they're interested in it? Or do they actually have two kids that you should probably know about and market to them in a more prolific way because mm -hmm. you have a picture? Are they married? What is their income status? What does that look like? It just, if you're only catching a snapshot um, and on social media, that's, it's okay. And it doesn't cost a whole, a whole ton, but if you're able to get that person as a, as a client or as a customer um, at a deeper level, the lifetime value of that customer or client will increase exponentially. That's yeah, it's outstanding. And without, without taking those first steps into your database to make sure that it's up to date, clean, and consistently doing what it needs to do. You can never get to that cool stuff, can you? No, no. Well, this was delightful. I am always down to nerd out about some database <laughs> talk. So Tim Pinkerton, I appreciate you joining us today to tell us all about Database USA and how you guys are helping change the game, not just for local marketers, but nationally. 
Um, thank you so much for joining us. And if there's any one last parting piece of advice that you'd like to leave people with about their data situation, what would that be? Oh, wow. I wasn't prepared for this. I would say if you, if this conversation has made you scratch your head and say, boy, I wonder when the last time somebody looked at our data was, uh, I, I think that might, you should probably get things moving. Um, and any third party data company, you don't have to come to us. Of course, we're happy if you do should be able to give you a free evaluation or free sample to make sure that they can actually do what they're promising for. So if you've got a database of 100,000 records and you're wondering if it's good, bad, or otherwise, you could probably take 10% of it, 10,000 records, throw it at any data company, and they should be able to get you a report back on saying, here's what's good, here's what's bad. Um, and good means validated, means what you've got you should be chasing because that's, that's, that's hot, that's where they're at. Bad means maybe you don't have 100,000 records like you thought you did. Maybe you only have 63,000. And now your marketing guy might say, we need more records. And what do you know? That data company probably has some more for you, and they're probably going to try to sell them to you. But I think if anybody's kind of wondering, especially in the CV-19 atmosphere, what to do next, yes, it's maybe a little tougher to acquire new clients because of the market volatility, but that just means now more than ever it's very important to hang on to the ones that you have. So if you don't know them and know them deeply, get that fixed so that you can engage with them on multiple levels and in a uh, interesting and compelling way. Perfect. I think that is good advice for all of us to think about, especially now. Tim Pinkerton of Database USA, thank you so much for your time. And as always, thank you to our friends at Parkville Media for producing this fabulous podcast. This is Mary Kate Gulick, and this has been the Actionable Marketing Podcast from AMA Omaha. A Parkville Media Production.